<laughs> Unscripted version of Don Cherry, Mike Jensen. <laughs> learning that's the, names. That's the greatest compliment you could ever give. <laughs> yeah, I know. Before we get to uh, our regularly scheduled programming, I love saying that for some reason, um, here on episode number 431 of Unscripted, our Freeform Friday, Chris has got our Twitter account, Twitter account up and ready to go. I just wanted to brief a great friend of the show and a young man that I really uh, enjoyed seeing again at Chris's birthday party last Friday, uh, good friend uh, Ryan. Uh, Ryan, if you're listening that company that I've been talking about, um, I'm supposed to talk to them later this week. So keep your fingers crossed. Uh, keep anything that you can cross. Uh, don't go into Bill Peters' territory in regard to what you're crossing, but uh, uh, I wanted to update you. You asked about it uh, when I saw you last Friday at, at uh, Chris's uh, 40th birthday party. And uh, Ryan, you uh, are a classy young man. I enjoyed meeting your wife. She's much smarter than you are. Um, don't take that the wrong way. You're a smart guy too, but I, I really found your wife quite engaging and, and uh, very knowledgeable about the wonderful and wacky world of sports. So I truly enjoyed meeting her, but I just wanted to let you know uh, that um, uh, I am supposed to be talking with this company later in the week. And uh, I think what will happen ultimately is that um, January 6th will be the start date, uh, I'm hoping, um, for this new opportunity and, uh, it couldn't come at a better time. So I thank you for asking last week and, uh, hope you had a safe trip back to Saskatchewan and it was a pleasure to see you and meet your wife. And, uh, thank you very much. Um, having said that, no, I'm not signing off yet. Um, it is time for free forum Friday here on this 431st episode of unscripted. And uh, what we do is when this time comes, I hand the microphone over to the executive producer of Unscripted and let him do the voodoo that he does. And having said that, again, handing the microphone over to the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Flu. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, that'd be a great way to start 2020, a oh new year, God. a new decade. You know, that'd be a great way to start. And put things. about nine years back on my life. Yeah, that would be really, really nice. Yeah, I remember one time the great Jim Ross was talking about I forget who it was. It was some guy who wasn't great looking and he married some hot chick. And Jim Ross's comment was he outpunted his coverage. <laughs> and uh, and that's what I think of with Ryan and Nicole. Because, well, I just yeah. I, I, I do need to say this. Um, Chris's family is nothing but class. I had met his father before. I think he is one of the classiest gentlemen I've ever met. His mother was unbelievably kind. And I have to say this. Um Chris's sister from Edmonton is one of the nicest ladies that I've ever met. She's a very beautiful lady, but she's very smart. And she, I just was very, I was almost mesmerized by her because just, you know, uh, just a very nice lady, uh, very accommodating. Um, she looks like she'd be comfortable in any kind of social gathering just because she's very confident. And I just found every member of the Fluke family to be uh, unbelievably good people. And I was, it was, I was honored to be here for Chris's 40th birthday party. And it was nice to meet the rest of the Flukes. And uh, folks, 
if you ever need a model to model your family around, the Fluke family would be a group that uh, you could really, really learn a lot from. And and, uh, I say that with all sincerity and my deepest uh, thoughts to all of the members of the Fluke family. Thanks, Mike. That's very nice. Yeah, my parents did say it was really nice talking with you and Judy. My mom really liked Judy, which was really cool. And, well, uh, everybody likes Judy, and, and everybody you know everybody says how and why when they ask, how did you two meet up? Uh, we had a great conversation with Martina's parents here here on the steps, and, and uh, it was a nice night, and I wish I could have stayed longer, but unfortunately, I still have kid responsibilities, and that makes Chris and Martina the two smartest people that I know on this <laughs> earth, and I'm just going to leave it at that and go to Freeform Friday. Yeah, that's uh, it's funny, though, because, yeah, with Ryan and Nicole, you know, uh, we, we love those two and everything, but like, you know, Nicole is really good looking and Ryan is, uh, well, Ryan's got pictures of her with farm animals. Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> you know, whatever. It's okay. Great guy. No, Judy's I, got mug shots of me. So <laughs> no, uh, you know, those two are amazing. I, you know, so the, the, the birthday party was unbelievable. I mean, I walked in here and it's funny because it was on Ryan's birthday. It was on Ryan's actual birthday. Oh, really? It was Ryan's 39th birthday. He's a, he's a year younger than me. And so, uh, I, so I called Mar- I always call Martina when I'm driving home from work. Right. I always call her every time. And so I call her and then we hung up and I said, yeah, I need to call Ryan cause it's his birthday. So I call Ryan, and of course he pretends he's in Yorkton, and I'm like, "What are you doing <laughs> and tonight?" He's in your front room. Yeah, and, and he's and well, I think he went down to the basement to oh, like okay. to get away from the people. And I said, "Oh, what are you doing tonight?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, going for beef on a bun, which is a real thing in Yorkton." And if you're wondering what beef on a bun is, it's literally beef, literally on a bun, and uh, that gets. Is it ex- like that crap they serve? I mean, better, but I mean, is it like that crap they serve at Stampede that we always talk about? Probably. Yeah. Beef on. I think. I don't know. I've, I've actually never gone for beef on a bun. So, uh, but anyway, yes. So, so he's like, "Oh, going for beef on a bun." I'm like, "Oh, that's really, you know, that's a Yorkton Taiwan on type of sort of a situation there." But anyway, so and then I walk in and I was shocked that they were here. Like they made the drive. They they drive here uh, a, a fair bit, and they often have other things to do. They'll go to. You know, Ryan will see if the the Kings are in town, he'll watch them or he'll do something with his motorcycle or, you know, Nicole's got some family here or something and they'll they'll come up for that. But I was really, really honored and humbled that so many people made the trip uh, from I mean, I was happy that anybody showed up even from Calgary. But uh, I thought if Martina even did pull off a surprise party, not that I thought she'd do a surprise party. I knew she would want to have a birthday party of some kind for me. And the fact that she hadn't engaged me meant I could see her trying to get one. But I recently suggested, I said, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to go back to Saskatchewan as close to my birthday as possible and get together with my next door neighbor, Jeff, uh, who lives in Saskatoon now, and then have our buddies Ryan and Greg drive up from Yorkton to Saskatoon. And the three of us can hang out for a night in Saskatoon together. And I thought that's what I'd like to do. And when I suggested that to Martina, I said, hey, you know, I'd love to just go and fly out there and see those guys. She said, oh, yeah, you should. And the way she said it made me think, oh, well, okay, so this is good. Now she doesn't have to plan a party. Maybe she's had some trouble organizing and getting people together, especially this time of year, always for my birthday. And so I thought that even if she had tried to make, 
a, a party or a surprise party or anything, she probably maybe had some trouble. And then when I said, I'm going to go see those guys, now she's like, oh, okay, well, at least he's getting to do a party type thing that he wants to do. So I was really surprised to come in here and then see Ryan and Nicole had driven nine hours from Yorkton. My parents had flown in. My sister's family drove down. Not to mention even everyone else from Calgary, Mike and Judy driving from across town. My one friend, Sean, who I hadn't seen in years, Martina got a hold of. And it was just uh, an amazing, humbling night to walk in. And then, of course, Martina's spread on the table was out of control. World class. And it was a really special night, and I'll never forget it as long as I live. And I still have the four zero balloons over my shoulder here. And uh, it was overwhelming. I was planning on coming down and just sitting on the couch and doing nothing that night. And uh, yeah, so uh, it was it was really special. And thank you to everyone who came. And it's funny because then, so Ryan drives all this way. And then now he's going to have to drive three and a half hours to Saskatoon and back. He and Greg will probably carpool. But I'm, I'm like, geez, I'm making the guy drive to Calgary and back, Saskatoon and back. When I asked him... To go to Saskatoon, obviously, I didn't know about my surprise party. Right, for sure. And, uh, you know, he's a real champ for doing that. So I know we bust his balls a lot. But, uh, no, he's a really great guy and uh, really, really honored that he would make one trip for me, let alone two. So I hope we have a, a really good time in Saskatoon. He also sent me a text saying, I told a guy at work about Unscripted. He said he listened to the most recent one on Spotify. He really liked it, and he's going to listen to a bunch more. So that was good. And then you, and then Ryan said, it's an entertaining podcast. If people are into the same stuff, they should enjoy it too. So, uh, you know, thanks for everything, Ryan, and all your support. And it's been unbelievable. And, uh, you know, it, it's nice to have one of my really close friends from back home who actually has a girlfriend or wife because, um, you know, that's just that's about the only couple we hang out with from uh, from back home. So it, it's nice to have those two. And the fact that Ryan found Nicole is really great because she's really great, too. And uh, it's it's been awesome. So I just want to I'm sorry, but I just want to say to Nicole, it was funny when when um, <clears throat> Ryan was in the process of introducing me, she says, oh, I know that voice. Yeah. I know exactly. <laughs> I know exactly who you are. Yeah. She knew that voice. She goes, I've listened to that voice for how many hours and how many car rides and I know exactly who you are. And, and mm-hmm. uh, thank you, Nicole. I, I truly appreciate that. Um, a very fine young lady, and uh, it was an honor to meet you and see Ryan again. Your parents, terrific people. Um, I wish that I could say that my family life was that stable, but, um, you know, the last time last time that my family, interesting family, got together was my 40th birthday party. Oh, wow. It was in Las Vegas. We flew down. My brother flew out from the Green Bay area. My sister at that time flew down from the San Francisco area. Uh, my mother came from Florida, and um, my father was in Las Vegas, but that was the last time. That's been 15 years. That's the last time that all of us have been together. Wow, really? Well, you're scattered all over the continent. Well, but really. we're also dysfunctional, and we hate each other, and, and uh, it's just, uh, again, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm telling people. If you could learn about, every family has ups and downs. Every, every family has certain things that, you know, they fight and bitch and complain about, but the good ones get through it. The dysfunctional ones, like my group, we just don't talk about it. And um, divorce really plays a huge role. In uh, because I don't care what you say when your family is divorced, their sides their sides are taken. 
I don't care what anybody says. Sides are taken. You can tell everybody to their face that you love them the same, but obviously there are sides taken, and, and this is what's happened with our group. And and uh, it was really fun to be a part of a group where everybody was there and representing. And again, for my group, we haven't been together in 15 years, and I just celebrated my 55th birthday on November 1st, and um, I haven't seen the whole group together in 15 years, and I don't know. I don't know when the next time we'll know. get together. Maybe, so. maybe for sixty, we'll do that. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Sure. Let's let's go for that. I, I, I that probably won't happen. My father's eighty-two, and uh, of ailing health, and and uh, but we'll see. Let's get on to Freeform Friday before I start tearing up here. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. All right. Well, speaking of people we know, uh, I've got a couple tweets here from Harbons at Harbons, who, of course, is Unscripted's Vancouver Bureau Chief Sean Dode. And uh, it's funny when uh, I used to live uh, with Sean and there were there were five guys of us. There were five of us living together and uh, there were two Sean's. So we had brown Sean and white Sean. Oh, right. Right. And so uh, so this is brown Sean. Okay, You know, (laughs) so that's who a lot of people are. Actually, one of my other friends who lived with us, that's just he's just been brown Sean. That's what he is. So. Uh, I know that, uh, I mean, these these issues take on a, a real importance and are really close to his heart for sure. So I know we've already, we had a great chat in episode 429 about, you know, Bill Peters and, you know, the racism stuff and the flames and all that. Uh, and I, and, you know, and I love, I love that conversation. I, I'm excited to look back at that episode and listen to it again. But there was one little detail that Sean mentions here that we didn't talk about. And I wanted to get to this. Uh, because I was thinking about talking this about this issue with the with the Don Cherry thing and some other things. So uh, Sean has a two part tweet here. It says, "Congratulations to the Flames for doing what's right for them and them alone as an organization in coming to a deal with Peters to resign, thereby allowing them to turn the page and close their investigation, allowing them to sweep racism under the rug in perpetuating hockey's culture of turning a blind eye to systemic problems instead of becoming a leader and setting an example for others. Tree Living refused to say a single word about being a leader or wanting to enact change in the system. Not surprising at all. Now, the key thing here for me is there are times when it's appropriate to let someone resign and there are times when it's appropriate to say this person was fired, this person was terminated because they did something inexcusable that no one should ever do or something just horrible, incompetent, whatever. And of all times, this was not a time to let him resign. This is a time to fire a guy. And I mean, with the Don Cherry thing, Don Cherry shouldn't have been let go. But if you're going to let him go, he's earned enough respect that you let him resign, which they did. At least mm-hmm. with him, at least that's better than, you know, it's the same thing I know. It's a little detail. At least you let him resign. With Bill Peters, I don't see a reason a reason here why he should have been allowed to resign. You say, hey, uh, there's a clear sea change in society. We need to set an example. We need to show that this is no longer acceptable. We're turning the page. We're not going to be a bunch of dumb jocks with people hitting each other and taking advantage of people that are below them. We're going to set a standard here. This person has been fired. And the whole problem is that, that it's all been, like I said before, in 429, when I said, hey, it's been this sort of closed group. You're either in the system trying to work your way up or you become part of the brain trust and you're part of the club. And so this is just seems to be saying, oh, we're still just part of the club. We let our buddy Bill over here resign. We're not going to fire him. He's our buddy. We can't we can't fire him. He's our buddy. Right. So 
it was such an easy little detail for what you call the fry cook here, Mr. Tre Living here, to uh, to make a proper change. And just, it was such an easy detail. And the problem is, if you can't get the little detail like that right, then nobody's going to have faith in you to fix anything else at all and do anything meaningful. So anyway, your thoughts on letting people resign, especially Bill Peters, as opposed to firing them. I think that this would have been a hell of an opportunity for the National Hockey League, the Calgary Flames, and uh, hockey, the game of hockey in general, to get rid of a cancer. And getting rid of a cancer should have been immediate termination of his contract. There shouldn't have been any negotiation. There shouldn't have been any uh, investigation. All this was was Pizza Boy trying to save face for his friend. And I will say the same thing that I said in episode 429 here in episode 431 in as um, the Calgary Flames need to take some of the blame in this, as do the Toronto Maple Leafs and a lot of National Hockey League and professional sports franchises. They are not digging deep enough to find these things. What, 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 what do you think ultimately this Alou kid or whatever, whatever his name is, Whatever made him decide to come out and start talking about, I had never heard of this guy. I never knew that he played only seven games in the, in the Flames organization, and all of a sudden he comes out and just starts this firestorm. He's met in Toronto with the NHL bigwigs, probably Bill Daly, and, and, and talked about what Bill Peters has done to him. But to really make this sink in and make people aware of the ramifications for doing stupid stuff, Bill Peters should have been fired. And I and I put some blame on Roger Sportsnet too, because I got a I got a text from Chris at uh last Tuesday, six days ago at eleven o'clock in the morning, and Sportsnet was reporting that Bill Peters had been fired. Um I don't know. You know, this is a network that employs Elliot Friedman, who I think is the best information man this side of Bob McKenzie in the National Hockey League. I think he's a terrific information guy. Um, but I think that, yes, the final final thing should have been a firing of Bill Peters. It shouldn't have lasted until Sunday. There should not have been an investigation. There should have been a reprimand for Bill Peters termination right now and make Jeff Ward, the associate who was the assistant coach, make him the interim head coach right now. Do not keep this cloud over the flames. Keep this cloud over the National Hockey League. It should have happened last Tuesday when Chris sent me the text saying Bill Peters is fired. That's when it should have happened, not waiting until Saturday at the end of their investigation. This was, again, this is what I always talk about in regard to the old boys network. This was an old boys network in regard to they hired an old boy and they didn't know how to fire an old boy. Mm -hmm. And the Flames need to take some culpability for this because the Flames, in this case, in my opinion, you know, and we, Chris and I are not Flames fans, but we are life fans. And right here, Chris and I have both been terminated from jobs for a lot less than what Bill Peters did. And uh, nobody thought about our feelings. Nobody thought about paying us out. We were terminated. I was terminated from a hospital bed after having a heart attack that morning. And I certainly didn't call anybody the N-word or didn't kick anybody in the back or kick anybody in the head 
All I'm saying is that the Flames need to take some responsibility for this because this firing should have happened as soon as it came out and became and got into mainstream news early last Tuesday. That's when the axe should have fallen on Bill Peters. Yeah, I think what happened with Akeem Alou is that... Akeem Alou, yeah, thank yeah, you. I think what happened there is, actually, again, it all goes back to the Babcock-Marner thing. That story broke, and then he's getting fired, and then I think Akeem Alou just said to somebody... Uh, that, uh, you know, about, because Babcock's in the news, and he said, oh, well, you know, Babcock's protege was no better. And then someone's like, oh, what do you well, mean? Well, yeah, but then he puts it out on C- yeah, social sure, media, sure. and then it's for the whole wide world to see. Yeah. And, and that's the- when, that's the difference that we're dealing with now versus 30 years ago. It gets out on the world wide web, and everybody that doesn't know the difference between a hockey puck and a hockey stick has access to that information. Yeah. And that's where I think the Flames should have just, thrown the hammer right there but then if if mike babcock and and marner if that whole thing doesn't come out and then the whole like akim alu doesn't kind of say oh well by the way like his protege bill peters is no better as well and if that all happens then i mean maybe this whole thing doesn't because then mike commodore the former calgary flame comes out and he hates him and he went on this twitter tirade just tweet after tweet just you know fuck you mike babcock pack your shit and get out everyone hates you you're an asshole and all this stuff it was just, just lost his mind on this guy and then I had never heard one word about Mike Babcock bad before. All I'd ever heard was great guy from yeah. Saskatchewan, great coach. Yeah. I had never heard one. And now everyone hates him. It turns out everyone's hated him all along. No one ever wanted to go hang out with him. And everyone hated playing for him. And what? Where did this come well, from? Well, you know what I'm worried about? What? I'll tell you what I'm worried about. You heard me mention in 429 about one of the greatest hockey coaches of all time being Toe Blake. Mm-hmm. And I, in my personal opinion, because... I'm old, but I wasn't around when Toe Blake was in his heyday. But I was around when Scotty Bowman was in his heyday. And I think Scotty Bowman, in my generation, is the best and most complete oh, hockey, oh, yes. hockey coach of all time. But what I don't want to see now, my friend, is news about Scotty Bowman or news about, I don't know, Al Don Arbor. Cherry or Al Arbor or uh, your guy in Edmonton. Who I think is one of the greatest coaches. You know, I call Glenn him Sather. Glenn Sather. I don't want to. I don't want to hear stories about these guys now about what they did as to as ways of motivating their players. I don't want to hear about that crap. What I'm afraid of is that we're going to have a lot of guys that, and I'm in the same boat as you are. I never heard anything bad about Babcock. Yeah, I never. mean, here's a guy that coached at Lethbridge. You know. Uh, has coached the team, uh, the the Canadian national men's team to gold medal championships. I've never heard anything bad about Babcock, and all of a sudden, then this, and now Peters. You know, Peters with this little thing, he makes it look like everybody that lives in Alberta is a goddamn redneck. Mm-hmm. Well, we're just a bunch of white folk up here that just don't like black people. He's making us all look like hillbillies because he is originally from Western Al- Western Canada, this the province of Alberta. He's making everybody in Alberta look like a bunch of freaking hillbillies with his belief, you know. So um, that's what I'm afraid of through all this. I think that we're going to tarnish some names that were synonymous with what makes the National Hockey League great, what made it great, what what continues to make it great. And I think we're going to start seeing some, I hopefully not, but my worst fears in regard to this little case scenario that we're in right now, I think that we're going to see some names get tarnished that we associate with greatness with the National Hockey League. And then ultimately with the NBA, the NFL, and Major League Baseball, all of them. I mean, somewhere someone is going to sit here on social media and say, 
45 years ago, Coach Hallis sat there and he spanked my ass because he wasn't happy with what I did, you know, in the third quarter against the Packers. Somebody's going to come out and say that. It's inevitable it's going to happen. Maybe. it's. I don't think it'll be as bad for dead people. I think the dead guys are somewhat safe like Walt Disney. But uh, the the ones, if you are if you dare to be alive in today's yeah, era correct. while doing something great, great in, a point. Pre, in a previous era, great point. Then, you're, uh, then you might be in trouble. Great point. All right. Uh, so um, there are a million tweets about this, but uh, I know you'll like this and you probably heard this. Conor McGregor is back and he is fighting January 18th against Cowboy Cerrone, what should be a great fight. Uh, I would expect Connor to win, to be honest, but I mean, this could absolutely go either way. It's really just to get him back and have a fight and, you know, especially hopefully have an exciting one. And uh, it, it should be good. Although, I, like, Cerrone just seems bigger than him, and uh, I could see him winning too, and McGregor's been away for a while. But McGregor isn't just just a big name. He really is talented in right. there, and he's really good. And it would be the best thing for the sport would be for Connor to win and set up some big fights against uh, Habib. Habib, and then, of course, Habib is uh, fighting in April against Tony Ferguson. That's right. I saw that which too. Which is an amazing... That fight should have happened a number of times. It keeps missing. Uh, I really hope that happens because, you know, between Habib being undefeated and Tony Ferguson being one of the scariest people, certainly outside the heavyweight division that I could ever think of, if there's a great collage like on the internet and every, and it shows like all of the guys that have faced Tony Ferguson and every one of them looks like they're dead. Like they all look like they're just like, they're from a horror movie and their face is covered in blood. It looks like they've been murdered. Like it's bad. And so Tony Ferguson is a scary guy. I could absolutely see him beating Habib all the way. Like I might actually go and pick him. I'll think about it a lot more between now and April. I might pick Tony Ferguson to beat Habib. Uh, Tony Ferguson straight up says Habib is too repetitive. And he, 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 he basically calls him a one trick pony. Like Habib is, I think he's really well-rounded, but he does the same strategy all the time. He just, he has a really good wrestling style and he tries to make sure his head is always above yours and he kind of grinds you down. He's like wrestling a bear. And I think Tony Ferguson will be ready for that. And I think I could see him absolutely beating him. Um, and I think that'll be my pick. But anyway, uh, two great fights coming up. Uh, what do you think about Conor McGregor coming back to the UFC? Well, I think, first of all, for me, I'm excited because that's a name that I associate with the UFC. I am still in my baptism of fire, if you will, in regard to my education to the UFC and the MMA. But you think of the guys. Now, we don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, sir, but we don't know what's going to happen here with a, a, a guy that we both like and respect, and that's Daniel Cormier. We don't know what's going to happen with him. We don't know what's happening with Stipe Miocic of Cleveland. That's another name that potentially we may not see on a docket for the uh, UFC here in the near future. We don't know, and we've been out without GSP here the last couple of years or year and a half, whatever it is. He's been out. Um, Dana White needed to score and score big. Uh, we know John Jones is not one of our favorite, but he's a name. He's a piece of crap, but he's a name. The UFC has undergone a little bit of a transformation. And they're, they're in a period now where they've lost some of the names that fans like me have gotten associated with. I think it was very important for Mr. White to get Conor McGregor back in the squared circle. I think that's good for the UFC. I don't know much about this cowboy guy. I will study this cowboy guy. But I don't think that Dana White would put Conor McGregor, regardless of what Dana White says, in my opinion, they need each other. 
And we ultimately, UFC fans, need both of these guys to be kumbaya, I love you, because people want to see Conor McGregor, good, bad, or indifferent, they want to see him fighting again. And I think with not knowing what Cormier is going to do, what not Miocic is going to do, what GSP is going to do, we need to get that name recognition back, and this is a very good and strong start for the UFC. Perfect. Okay, uh, Las Vegas. Were you liking that I got Miocic right? Yeah, you nailed it. You really did. Woohoo! You really did. I've been listening. Unscripted version of Don Cherry, Mike Jensen. <laughs> learning that's the, names. That's the greatest compliment you could ever give. Yeah, me. I know. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Okay, uh, Las Vegas locally at Las Vegas locally. The first Chick-fil-A inside a casino is open at Golden Nugget Las Vegas because waffle fries taste better with a side of sin. And I've never had Chick-fil-A. I feel like we've talked about it before. I like how when they open it, they always have a they have a guy dressed up as a cow, and they have a cow protesting. Not against Chick-fil-A. They right, want right, to go right. to Chick-fil-A because it says eat more chicken. Right. Right? So that's fun. But I've never had Chick-fil-A, but it gets ranked up there at the very top. Almost these cult-like ones like, you know, Popeye. There's some like Popeye's and Shake Shack and some of these uh, that are just like almost at another level uh, these days, it seems like. And I mean, I love Shake Shack. That's my favorite tasting burger. Uh, but uh, Chick-fil-A, I, I'd like to try. Did they have Chick-fil-A's in Vegas before this, or is it the first one in Vegas, period? No, there's, there's, there are... Um, I, 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 I remember, you're right, we've talked about this in the past, and I remember telling you that there is a, there is a Chick-fil-A on the corner of I-15 and Sahara Drive in Vegas, mm. right across the street from O.J. Simpson's famous casino, the Palace Station. Right across the street from the Palace Station is a Chick-fil-A, and I remember telling you... I was sitting there with my youngest daughter, Jenna, and we wondered why. Because Chick-fil-A closes on Sunday. That's right. Yes, yes. That's right. I and they this. have made that. This is an Atlanta-based yeah, company. Very Christian owners. Very Christian owners. And they will not open their establishment on a Sunday. And I remember telling the fans of Unscripted and you, obviously, I re- I know, that... I, I remember that, yeah. Olivia, or Jenna and I were going through, and we drove by this Chick-fil-A, and there were four cars on a Sunday... And they weren't moving at Chick-fil-A. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm going, oh, yeah, Chick-fil-A doesn't open on Sunday. I couldn't remember if that was in Vegas that you had done that. I was in Vegas. Okay. Um, Chick-fil-A is is uh, unbelievably, it's it's unbelievably popular. It's it's taken the chicken industry to new heights. It's a reputable thing. But you know they're good when people sit there and they don't even open on Sunday. And there were four cars in the <laughs> drive-thru waiting to place an order. How long those four people sat there, I don't know. But... My daughter and I drove by, and I remember saying to her, I go, look at those four cars. And she goes, yeah, so what? And I go, honey, Chick-fil-A doesn't open on Sunday. And here's four cars in the drive-thru waiting to get an order. That was funny as hell. I despise the way they spell their name. But anyway. Well, uh, sure. We are, we're talking about Southern United yeah, States, yeah, remember? Yeah, you know, okay. A-E-I-O-U and sometimes Y, you know. <laughs> okay. All right, so uh, Dean at Butler the Bully says, reply with something you can say during a basketball game and sex. And uh, PFT commenter, a PFT commenter uh, says, I'm done for the night, load management. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I hate load management, but I love that. uh, I, I think it's ridiculous. You know, I go back to Jordan. Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time. I don't care what anybody says, and I love LeBron, but the greatest of all time is Michael Jordan. And now, as the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, he's talking as an owner. He's one of 32. And he says, damn, these guys are getting paid 
to play 82 games. Um, it's funny. I read a thing this morning before I came over here. I talked to you briefly and I was reading some contracts and I something blurbed on my phone. The LA Clippers, since they have acquired Paul George and Kawhi Leonard because of load management, have not had a practice together yet this year. They're off to a good start. They're 14 and 5, 14 and 6, something like that. Good start. They've put up 150 points twice. They did it last night to the Washington Wizards, who really suck bad. But all that aside, load management is becoming the epicenter of the NBA, and I think it's ridiculous. If a guy's injured, he doesn't play, I get that. But load management is a joke, and I think it's going to lead to some people, fans, that pay big money to go to these games. It's going to burn some fans' ass that they go to a Clippers game and can't watch Kawhi Leonard or can't watch Paul George or go to a Lakers game and can't watch Anthony Davis or LeBron James or go to a Bucks game and can't watch Giannis because of load management. The One of the things that I'm most impressed about with Giannis Two things. First of all, A, he plays for Milwaukee, which is impressive. Second of all, he wants to play all the time. You can load manage by taking minutes off of their games. You know, instead of having Giannis go 40, go 40 minutes and Milwaukee's up by 40 points, sit his ass down. But at least let the people watch him. If he's eligible to play in the game, at least watch him. Let him watch. Let him, let the people watch him play, even if it's just 30 minutes. At least they'll have spent money that they'll felt it was worth spending versus going to a game and watching Giannis or Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or whomever sit on the bench in street clothes. That's ridiculous. Yeah, really. Like, I mean, you can't just put him out there, even for a few, even for a few minutes. Like, wouldn't it just help keep him not rusty as exactly. well? Like, exactly. Like, there's no way that a few minutes of a basketball game is going to... A couple times up and down a floor. Like something, And the people can say, yeah... I, you know, it's better to for people, especially if like people organize trips around this. Absolutely, and, and hotels not everybody. And stuff. Not everybody lives in the greater Los Angeles area that can just go on a whim and go down to the Staples Center. Some people, like again, I use me, the city that I grew up in, and the closest team that we had to professional sports was Milwaukee. It's 180 miles away. That's a four-hour drive. So, if you had load management back in my day. I went to a lot of Bucks basketball games because, well, we liked them and they were good. But if you had load management back at that time, the late 70s, early 80s, I would have never have seen Marcus Johnson. Or I never would have seen Sidney Moncrief. Or I would have never seen Brian Winters play for the Bucks because there's a great possibility they would have been held out for load management. And that would have really pissed me off. And I think, Chris, to be honest, it would have changed my love of sports. I really yeah, do. Sure. I really do. No, that's that, that's fair, absolutely. But it, it's better for people to go say, well, yeah, I got to see Kawhi. He didn't play that much, but I got to see him, and it's cool. Uh, rather than, oh, they just set his ass load management. I didn't get to see. Yeah, like that's a big difference for the fan experience, so I think that's important. I think that's something. Instead of worrying about this new playoff system in the NBA, I think they've got to worry about more about addressing the concerns of load management first yeah. before they worry about introducing a new playoff system for the 75th NBA season. I, I haven't brought that up because we don't know enough about it yet, but supposedly they're talking about a play-in tournament, and I don't know all the parameters, so I like to talk about things I have an idea about. That's They're very vague right now about what Commissioner Silver is doing, but I think they've got a bigger issue, and that bigger issue is this load management stuff. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to do something nice for you and not revoke your Green Bay Packers fan card here because you didn't bring this up and I'm blown away. So fan duel at fan duel. Happy 36th birthday to Aaron Rodgers. Is he a top 10 quarterback of all time? 
Yes, no question. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, Aaron Rodgers turned 36 today. His birthday is on December 2nd. I do know that, but, um, uh, you know, I don't want people. I also know Brett Favre's birthday is October 10th. So um, when you're a Packer fan, you know stuff like that. Um, I have a, a stepmother in Las Vegas that sends Brett Favre a, a birthday card every year. Um Brett, excuse me, uh, Aaron Rodgers is a top 10 quarterback of all time. I don't think there's any question about that. I think when you you have a passer rating of over 106 point whatever, which is the all-time greatest based on at least 500 passes being thrown, I think that puts him there. I'd like to see him uh, get one more Super Bowl championship to his resume, but thankfully, unlike Dan Marino and like others, uh, Donovan McMahon, McNabb comes to mind. Philip Rivers comes to mind of guys that have never gotten to drink from the Super Bowl trophy. Um, but Aaron Rodgers is a top 10 quarterback just because of the numbers that he's put up and how efficient has that he has been. Um, I don't think you have to be a homer like I am to realize that Aaron Rodgers is a pretty special person in the National Football League. Yep. All right, so... It uh, shows a big guy, number 90 for the Packers. Who is that? I'm not sure who that, that is. That is B.J. Raji. Oh, it is? Okay. And that happened uh, in, 19, in 2010. He intercepted a pass from the backup quarterback of the Chicago Bears, and he ran that in about 10 yards for a touchdown, and that was the clincher in the NFC Championship game at Soldier Field in 2010, and that led to the Packers' Super Bowl 45 victory nine years ago. Nice. Okay, well, the headline is Onion Sports Network at Onion Sports. It says, study links adult male smiling to extremely overweight men scoring touchdowns. <laughs> well, you know, the Packers have never uh, replaced B.J. Raji on their defensive front. They have tried with guys like Kenny Clark, um, Dean Lancaster on the current team. They have never really replaced B.J. Raji. B.J. Raji was one of these guys that retired early. He retired at 29. He retired the year after they won the Super Bowl, or a year or two after they won the Super Bowl, and he had no desire to come back. He was the ninth overall pick in the, let's see, that'd be the 2005 draft. That was the year that Ted Thompson revamped the Packers defense by getting B.J. Raji at 9 and Shampoo Boy at 21 or 26 or something like that. But uh, B.J. Raji retired early. Um, I think he had some health concerns, mainly because of his weight. He was a huge man. And um, he retired in, I want to say, 2012 or 2013, and he has not sniffed coming back to the NFL. And the Packers have paid for that. There's no question. Okay, uh, Shams Charania at Shams Charania. Clippers guard Patrick Beverly has been fined $5,000 by the NBA for violating the anti-flopping rules for the second time this season. You know what? Um, Patrick Beverly is a hell of a defensive guy. He's always in the running for defensive player of the year, but I think because he lives in Los Angeles, he thinks he's going for an Oscar Academy Award kind of thing. Um, he is the biggest flopper in the NBA. And, um, you know, we are in an era of, you know, we are so protective of our athletes um and i guess rightfully so but my god uh every dime that goes toward that five thousand dollar fine is well worth it because patrick beverly in my estimation is the greatest flopper in the nba and somebody has finally figured that out and they're going to make him pay for it because uh he is a great defensive player he is a gnat he's one of these guys that you like on your team but you don't want to play against him but uh this this fine is is right because this guy is the he's the biggest flopper out there by far brutal all right daniel negranu at real kid poker so awesome chant broke out at the sharks knights game 
pay your markers directed at Evander <laughs> Kane, Kane yeah. who owes a casino here $500,000. Only in Vegas. Pay your markers. <laughs> I'm surprised on two things there. A, that uh, whichever casino he was in, and I don't know if they've, they have uh, mentioned the one of the 76 Las Vegas area casinos that he was frequenting, but I'm surprised once he didn't pay the first, let's say, first a couple hundred grand, why they keep giving him markers. But uh, um, this needs to be rectified soon, and uh, there needs to be penalties if, uh, you know, uh, I'm surprised that the uh, National Hockey League, and, and really surprised by the casino that they didn't uh, step in and stop the markers once it got to six figures. To let it continue going on and on means two things. A, he's a lousy gambler, and B, He's even worse at managing his finances. Well, it looks like it's our favorite casino, the Cosmopolitan no, of Las Vegas. Really? Yeah. This uh, place is. I, I like this place. I love the. the I love the Cosmo. Oh, it's our favorite place, right, Martina? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I love the Cosmo. Oh, it's plus the, it doesn't let OJ Simpson yeah, in. Bans OJ Simpson. That's the best part. You know, calls out Evander Kane for being a dumb idiot. Uh, you know, who owes money and doesn't pay his debts and runs away. Oh man, Cosmo is just the best. Balconies, non-smoking, non-smoking. I love it. Has a David Chang Momofuku restaurant. What else do we love about the Cosmopolitan? We we've never gotten to eat at Egg Slut, but I mean, like, we always, <laughs> it's the best name, and then it's always lined up until like yeah. two p.m. when you don't feel like breakfast anymore. Right. What else right. do you like about the Cosmo? No, no. Okay, she's camera shy or microphone shy, but well, we are too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anyway, love the Cosmo, but yeah, yeah, Evander Kane, pay your mark. What the fuck? I, I don't, Honestly. I don't, I don't get that. I, again, I, 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 well, but again, know your limitations and I, I am, I am surprised that the Cosmo allowed this to go on. I really am. Well, it's an NHL. Well, I get that, but Star still, like but still, this isn't, this isn't good advertising, not only for the National Hockey League, but it's not good for Cosmo either. I guess, but I'm okay. What's the cutoff though? Hundred thousand, two hundred. I think once you get into six figures that you owe the house, then you got to cut them off. I would think, don't you? I mean, I have brother-in-laws here in Calgary. That um, where's the one that's next to? Used to be Blue, and it was used to be next to the Flamingo. Um, it was an older casino. It's been renovated now. You used to drive down in. Oh, I can't remember it. Right across the street from Geezer's Palace. Um, but anyway, there was a casino there that they got in debt to over six figures and somehow they were allowed to escape Las Vegas. And about a week later, two guys with a vowel at the end of their name came and visited my two brother-in-laws up here. Mm. So I, I, I think that there's probably got to be a cutoff of once you get into six figures of owing the house, there's got to be something done. Why don't you done. just take the money from them ahead of time? They don't play there unless you get to... Well, they had, they had, you know, they... You have certain standing in certain hotels, especially back then. They wanted the big guys, and and they'd send them they'd send them tickets to fly down, and everything was comped. And all they wanted to do was have them sit their asses in front of a casino table for four days and lose, lose, lose. But somehow, my two brother in laws got out of Vegas and got up here. And again, a couple of days later, a couple of guys with a vowel at the end of their last names visited them, and surprisingly, they got the money that they were owed. Wow. Okay. All right, so last tweet of the day here. Well, I, I, there's a couple different ones, but basically Dana White and Floyd Mayweather uh, have both been posting here that Floyd is coming out of retirement yeah, in 2020. Uh, you know, he had trademark 50-0, and 0, which is such a nice, clean thing. I have a hard time believing that he's going to 
risk that record like i, I mean I, I can't imagine he'd take a fight that he wasn't sure he was going to oh, win oh no i i truly at believe at this point at this point you do not want 50 and 1 no and so and dana white you know just wants to get into the boxing game he's a boxer originally right. and he loves boxing and boxing does really need uh, some reforms. It's a, just a bunch of corrupt idiots in warring factions. Now, and, like it's just a disaster. I so, think that that's yeah. a marriage made in heaven. They yeah. have they have a rapport now from the Conor Mc, uh, McGregor, yeah. uh, Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather fight of a of a July or two ago, whenever that was. Mm-hmm. They have a rapport. They have a baseline to work and communicate with each other. I truly believe the game of boxing needs Floyd Mayweather, but they don't need Floyd Mayweather to come back and lose right now. No. They need Floyd Mayweather to come back. Go and be that flashy person. Be that guy that people want to come. Whether you love him or loathe them, they want to watch him again, but they want to watch him win. They do not want to watch him lose. So they will probably... Dana's a smart man. I know that having spent a half an hour with him at a casino table in Vegas. He will put a, a, a name with Floyd Mayweather, but it'll be a name that he and Floyd agree on and corroborate with and they come to an understanding that this is the guy they're going to fight, and then when Floyd beats the crap out of him and gets that rust off and gets back into a regular kind of training regimen, then we'll start seeing better opponents, and then Floyd Mayweather can kick the crap out of anybody. But this first one, after this long delay, it's got to be a setup. It's got to be a setup because nobody at this point wants to put the money up, whether they're there in attendance or on pay-per-view, and they don't want people to get ticked off and feel like it was a waste of money and they won't waste their time and money again on boxing if Floyd Mayweather comes back and ends up 50-1. and one. Yeah, no, they don't want to see that, but I'd love to see this leading to, I'm hoping Dana's plan is to go all the way and make it like a UFC, but like make it the UBC. Like, sure, you know, absolutely. You know, ultimate boxing championships or yeah. something and make it an actual league and you have the weight classes and you have recognized belts. Like yeah. right now there's all these random belts and no one knows what they mean Correct. or these organizations. None Correct. of them have TV shows. None of them have an ultimate fighter reality show. None of them have a single brand recognition. None of these leagues, IBC and UBC, like none of these, none of these IBA, whatever all the leagues are, none of them mean anything to anybody outside boxing. They're all useless. So if we could make a UFC, but for boxing, which I have to imagine what Dana wants to do, I can't imagine what else he'd want to do. Exactly. Uh, And then he leads off with Floyd Mayweather. That's the right person to start with. No question. Uh, Hey, I mean, that's hopefully where we're going. Get the fannies in the stands, get them interested in the game of boxing again, watch Floyd Mayweather beat the crap out of somebody, get to 51-0 and 0 and start building up you know, his training regimen, start building up his reps, as Tiger Woods always likes to say, and then get him ready for big-time opponents again. And by that time, people will be happy and satisfied that he's back and they'll, they'll want to spend the money to watch him improve 52-0, and 53-0, 54-0, whatever it is. But all of their dreams and aspirations go right down the Vegas toilet if he comes in his first fight and loses, that would be. You can bring back Mike Tyson, but if 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 a Buster Douglas shows up and and throws a wrench into the party plans, then you're right back at ground zero and nobody gives a damn. So, we've got to run on this 431st episode of Unscripted. We thank everybody for participating and thank uh, obviously hope. Well, obviously we thank you, but hopefully you will continue to join us on our nine different social media avenues. Chris spent a lot of time and effort getting those bad boys set up. And remember, if you leave a comment, we will bring it on the air. I guarantee it because it's a really great way and we'll make it a part of Freeform Friday. So please feel free to, 
we left a lot of things for you there to comment this week. So leave some comments and we will get them on Unscripted Air, I guarantee you. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.